Hello and welcome to the IMB podcast brought to you by the communications office and the student media cell of IIM Bangalore. The new podcast series aims to become a platform to discuss the latest business, economic, management and social issues that matter. The podcast will witness IIM Bangalore fraternity including but not limited to the faculty members, students and alumni providing their insights and perspectives to the topics and issues that surround us. If you were to turn to any manager or business leader blindly and ask for the most important and promising trend that is going to define the next decade of transformation, most likely you will hear artificial intelligence as one of the themes and keywords. Artificial intelligence is the buzzword for quite some time now and it is all pervasive in our daily lives. The recommendation engines on which we host our podcast episodes runs on AI to your daily spam filters on email or shopping recommendations on Amazon, route optimization for your Uber drive to your news feed and timelines on social media apps. We encounter AI everywhere. Accenture estimates AI to add around 957 billion US dollars to India's GDP by 2035, thus becoming a strong engine of economic growth with its application across business, public policy and administration. Niti Aayog, a think tank for the government, came up with the National AI Strategy for India, and very recently Prime Minister Modi inaugurated Global AI Summit Raise 2020. To understand and discuss this technology and its implications, we are extremely pleased to have with us Professor Rahul Day, who is the Professor of Information Systems Domain at IIM Bangalore. Professor Day holds a PhD in AI and has taken courses under Nobel laureate Herbert Simon and teaches a very popular AI elective at IIMB. Welcome Professor Day to the IMB podcast series. It is a pleasure to host you for an episode. Thank you very much. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm hoping to have a great conversation. Professor, we understand AI is too vast a topic for a single episode. Hence we will restrict ourselves to some important issues around AI and seek your expert comment on it. Let me begin by asking for the sake of our audience, what is artificial intelligence in lay terms? yes uh, it is a it is a vast topic uh, so in lay terms i will go back to the original intention of ai uh, which was basically to simulate human thinking and human behavior on computers and simple tasks like uh, recognizing objects or uh, you know recognizing faces or complex ones like uh, playing chess or go these were the original attempts and i believe the field has stayed pretty much close to that so we are trying to do things which are difficult for humans and some things which are very easy for humans but very difficult for computers that's broadly what what uh, ai is trying to do there are of course other other attempts and approaches which is finding very smart ways to solve problems which have nothing to do with humans so uh, there are approaches which are you know entirely mathematical or statistical or inspired by nature so that's broadly what ai is today and the way it is progressing that is very useful professor so as we understand there are three critical components required for ai hardware on which it runs data sets from which it learns and algorithms that run the ai systems let us first focus on the hardware segment of it what has led to the mass adoption and buzz around the ai revolution vis-a-vis the hardware additionally what implications does it have for the managers and business leaders okay so hardware is the basis on which it runs and uh, uh if you go back to the uh, origins of ai it actually coincides with the origins of computers themselves so one of the pioneers of uh, computing technology alan turing actually wrote the first paper on the possibilities of ai this is when computers were you know there were hardly a few around in the world they had just been invented this was 1950 then uh, subsequently i would say the development of ai has roughly paralleled the development of hardware the more better hardware we have we have got uh, you know better processing better memory and ai has kind of improved along those lines today what we see when we see this huge boom in software uh, uh, in actually in ai we are seeing this 
basically because they are now very very fancy chips available these uh, you know graphical processing units gpus as they are called which can crunch numbers at a fantastic pace and most importantly the cloud is available the cloud gives you huge humongous computing power which was simply not available even you know 30 years ago you had to work on on single devices uh, and you, we used to call them mainframes in those days uh, they were fast they were powerful but nothing compared to what we have today so this hardware boom is what has mattered a lot uh, for ai now the modern ai is uh, you know driven a lot by having huge huge massive amounts of data and lot of computations which are being done at a very fast scale so this hardware has been very important now you asked how does it matter to or what implications does it have for managers and business leaders well first implication is you cannot treat hardware as a commodity you know that's what was happening we were saying hardware is something that you know well shows up we don't have to worry about it just buy something it works if not just rent it off the cloud and uh, you know uh, we have hardware and that was fine as long as you're not dealing with something as complicated as ai where you cannot treat it as a com commodity you have to treat it as an infrastructure and very carefully architect it for your own needs now the, this is one part of it you have to think about what you are doing the other part very important is that the hardware is evolving as fast as the rest of this field so today we are talking about these gpu chips and very very fast hardware already we see uh, you know things like quantum computing showing up on the horizon it's still a little far away but when quantum computing type of hardware the basis of computing changes you'll see orders of magnitude increase in in both you know processing capacity and volumes and you have to plan for that you have to understand what it means for your business if competitors switch to much much more powerful hardware that can do a lot of bigger things you would have to think very carefully about that also where you want to position yourself so both not treating it as a commodity and also seeing the evolution of this hardware is very important well treating hardware is not as a commodity is a very interesting takeaway professor coming to the data sets we have heard the famous phrase that data is the new oil we also witness firms trying for large amounts of consumer data be it the financial health shopping preference and what not how important is data for the ai systems what do managers need to understand about this data aspect to successfully implement an ai strategy for their organization ah uh, good question yes <laughs> data is the new oil as they say and uh, basically if you look at a lot of the ai algorithms today machine learning algorithms uh, they are very data hungry the more data you give them the better it is performance improves with data literally literally uh, it's it's just the more you feed it the better it is i often talk about the comparison between statistics and uh, and you know data science uh, statistics and ai uh, statistics it wasn't that you got a lot of data it was a good sample that you needed if you had a good sample and you knew it was a reliable sample yeah you had you could make some takes you know make some insights about the population with ai <laughs> the more the better it's not a sample you take the entire population of data everything you've got you throw it in and you let it churn and the more you get the better it is so this is true for all types of these machine learning algorithms that are around uh, they are very very data hungry and data is very important for them now how do you need to implement uh, ai strategy uh, well the strategy part is the first thing you have to ask yourself is what is it that you are trying to solve sure you have lots of data in the organization and you can set up uh, you know in future 
you can set up your digital infrastructure in such a way that you capture a lot of data. But the most important thing is what do you want to get out of it? If that clarity is not there, then, you know, it it won't really help. Uh, Do you want process improvement, for instance? Uh, Do you want accuracy? Do you want to do predictions? Uh, Do you want to do classifications? Do you want to simply have cost reduction across, across the board? All these things require uh, different sets of data, different things for you to look at. So that's one thing. What kind of problem? Now, the other one is what kind of AI method can solve this? So there are, you know, bunches of AI methods, bunches of uh, machine learning methods. Uh, Not all of them need the same kind of data and not all of them need uh, you know, the, well, some of them need humongous data. The more you give them, like these deep learners, the better it is. Others need different kinds and uh, ways of arranging the data. So, so the algorithms and the methods you use are very important. Now, the third one, which is how you can integrate the solution into your firm is very important. So it's it's fine to say that, okay, we've got all these, you know, we've got a lot of data and we've run some, you know, great machine learners on them. Yeah, and we are finding a solution. Okay, so then what do you do with it? So ultimately, for commercial firms, the idea is to, to fight the competition. And you have to have some thinking around that. So today, there's that famous curve that actually ENCT and Lakhani have put out in their book, in which they say that, Earlier, as you got more and more data out, uh, you know, you use more and more data, uh, there was a kind of tapering off of the value, of the value you got out of it. So it would increase the more data you got, the more value you could get, and then it would taper off. But today, with these algorithms and these methods, actually the value you obtain from more and more data does not taper off it actually increases, it keeps increasing because there are more and newer things you can do with it. So you begin with the clarity of what you want. Once you begin to you know, build the data lakes as they call them and you have massive data available to you, now you start thinking, okay, what more am I going to do with this? And that is really a massive game changer for you. So these these are, you know, in future, the successful companies are the ones will will be that actually first ask the question, what are we going to do with this? Next, once they have built up a huge, huge mountain of data, then they ask the next question, okay, we have all this, we have achieved some things, now what do we do to build on top of that? And that will require a lot of imagination, a lot of thinking and a lot of understanding of these technologies to go ahead. Interesting, sir. Uh, You talked about algorithms and that's our next question. We've seen rising developments in algorithms powering the AI systems such as machine learning, neural networks, deep learning and others. Firstly, for the sake of our audience, if you could briefly explain what these algorithms are. And secondly, how have these algorithms led to the wide-scale use cases of AI across sectors? And what significance do they hold for the business world? Yeah, <laughs> explaining these algorithms in a brief uh, period of time is difficult. Uh, think of neural networks. These are you know, some of the most uh, well-known algorithms which are used nowadays uh, for these things called deep learning and so on. Uh, basically, think of them as, as, as mathematical methods which find patterns in data. That's the best way to understand them. So if there is a pattern in data, which we, you and I don't know right now, we can't see it, uh, neural networks can probably spot something in them and find that pattern and help it. This is the same with other, uh, other methods like, you know, these, uh, statistical methods called Bayesian learning. Uh, then some things called decision trees, random forests, uh, even uh, the support vector machines and things, they look for patterns and identify them. Now, uh, th- this is the uh, uh, this is the core idea behind these patterns. Now, let me also emphasize that this is not the only thing. 
You see, what is happening in uh, uh, in AI is that uh, there are now uh, you know very various algorithms which actually don't make it to the news so much, uh, which are doing incredible things. Now let me mention one, which is one of my favorites. Uh, there is some amount of it in the news. It's called reinforcement learning. Now, reinforcement learning doesn't deal much with data. It actually has to do with doing things, doing things, doing processes. And why it's powerful is that it has a way of learning on its own. Uh, so it will simulate doing things like, you know, playing a simple game. It will simulate playing the game. And over time, it begins to figure out what are the best moves. So this uh, famous example of uh, Google's, uh, you know, AlphaGo, which went ahead and beat the world champion in this game Go, was based on reinforcement learning. So the game was not, uh, so the, the software was not taught the game. They, you know, they were not, you were not given the rules and so on. You were just given these reinforcements, which are like giving ones and zeros. If you won the game, you got a one. If you lost the game, you got a zero. But what you do in between is left to the algorithm to figure out. This is very, very powerful. So they have used this uh, for training robots, for playing games and so on. There is another uh, method, which is again, not very data intensive, but is very widely used for actually designing algorithms themselves. And this one is called genetic algorithms. And this is based on the biological evolutionary principle uh, where you have, uh, you know, you re represent these uh, methods or uh, solutions as they are called as kind of as ones and zeros, which look like genes, uh, you know, in, in, a, in the evolutionary context. So genes and chromosomes. And what you do is you keep breeding these chromosomes. What you're doing is just a simulation of breeding. You're not really breeding them, but you kind of mathematically breed them on your computer. And over time, these things evolve and change. And slowly, they begin to find solutions. And they've found very, very powerful solutions to them. Uh, for instance, recently, uh, I saw, saw a video in which they are breeding uh, these designs of robots, designs of robots. So it's not the full robot, you're breeding a design. And these designs have phenomenal capabilities. If you just think about the basic capabilities that robots have, this is coming from these genetically evolved, you know, simulated creatures. So this is very, very powerful. There is also a lot of cutting edge work going on uh, on addressing this issue. Uh, you know, this data thing we discussed that, you know, all these algorithms are very data hungry. So now there is a whole movement. A lot of people are shifting saying, okay, let's try to find algorithms which are not so data hungry. So if you have, you know, if you want to recognize a cat, uh, you know, difference between a cat and a dog, you will have to you know, feed uh, the deep learners a few thousand or maybe millions of images of cats and dogs. And then they will very, you know, very effectively distinguish between cats and dogs. So what the researchers are saying is, hey, it doesn't take humans. We don't have to see millions of cats or, or, or see one cat millions of times to figure out it's a cat. We see it a few times. We know it's, it's a cat. In fact, nowadays I'm trying to <laughs> learn about the birds on our campus. And if I, even if I see them a few times, I know, okay, that's a, that's a barbet or that's an oriole or something. I can figure it out. Why do these algorithms need millions of data points? So there's a lot of now work going on on trying to do these identification tasks on a few data points. Now, if that breakthrough comes, that'll be phenomenal. That'll be very, very impressive because then you have these, you know, you are actually beating off the whole problem of having these data hungry algorithms. So you can actually build powerful algorithms with a lot less data. And that will be a big, big game changer. But that may be a, a while before it shows up. So that's what it is. That's where the, the field is headed in terms of algorithms. 
So all these three, you know, the, you asked me about hardware uh, and data and algorithms, uh, they go hand in hand and, and many of them become possible uh, because one or the other is available. Uh, in fact, if you see the story of, uh, of deep learning, uh, deep learning, the basic concepts have been known for 40 years, you know, actually more for 60, 70 years they've been known, the neural nets. But what happened in, in the 2006 onwards, this one person in Princeton who said, okay, I'm going to collect a lot of images. And she landed up creating this, you know, ImageNet, a massive number of images. And she did crowdsourcing, put them together, and now there are many variants of this. So the data accumulation went hand in hand. Eventually, what became one of the most successful algorithms to classify these images was built because this this whole image set was there. Had they not had the set, this would not have happened. So these three things they go together, and of course it is driven by you know all the, the both the researchers and the industry's hunger for solving these hard problems. Interesting, sir. Having built on the building blocks of AI, let me change gears. There are AI use cases now practically in almost all sectors. However, business leaders and experts still argue that whatever we use as AI may not be intelligent. The current applications broadly still fall under the realm of narrow AI or what we call as weak AI. Do you think that AI stands to move beyond the realm of narrow or weak AI in the coming future? And how will that change the business models? Uh, that is correct. I, I, I also agree that a lot of what is being called AI is narrow AI. It does some some one one or two things very well, like recognize faces, like recognize cats and dogs, uh, like finding patterns in a certain class of data. So the, the trouble, if you want to move out of narrow domains and have generalized AI, you know, artificial general intelligence, AGI as it's called, uh, that becomes very hard. Uh, again, we humans are very good at it. Now, keep in mind that the holy grail of <laughs> AI, uh, you know, from the beginning used to be uh, AGI. Uh, so, uh, people still want to work on those, build on those, uh, uh, these generalizable capabilities, human-like capabilities. So, you're asking what will happen if that shows up? That may show up, at least AGI may show up uh, to the extent that uh, there are uh, a few signs of it already, these generalizable capabilities, not too many, it will be very, very hard. Uh, then uh, I think <laughs> you will have a fair bit of uh, churn in the industry. Um, uh, see, look at Alexa today. It's kind of clo getting closer. It's still narrow, but Alexa is a general purpose AI. It's designed that way. It kind of solves the Turing test. Uh, you ask Alexa to play music and, you know, and, you know, maybe read your email or whatever. There's some things, tasks it can do. It can understand natural language and respond to those tasks. If you generalize the, the Alexa, if you build it up and say, okay, uh, so you understand these things. Now, uh, okay, you know, you've been booking my uh, tickets for me and booking an Uber or an Ola for me. Uh, now, tell me uh, how I should... Uh, you know, schedule my, let's say, my activities for the day. I have to do these 20 things. How should I schedule it? Then, okay, so now you've figured out scheduling. How should I, uh, you know, which is the best order in which I should do these activities? So if once these, and it will happen in a, you know, a piecemeal manner, once these capabilities are integrated, uh, you will move towards AGI, which means certain classes of jobs, certain classes of industries will actually disappear because there will be no need for them. Uh, it's like, uh, you know, recently um, some, my, some of our my friends are, have been buying these robots which do, which do floor cleaning. These are these vacuuming robots and they're very good. They just run around the room, clean up your floor. And slowly we are not needing maids anymore. The maids who used to come by and just do the, you know, the mopping and cleaning. Uh, likewise, there are these dishwashers have been around for a long time, but the maids who used to do dishwashing are kind of fading away. 
uh, or changing you know they don't do dishwashing anymore they just you know take things out of the dishwasher and put them away so if you take that analogy then all the tasks that are being you know transferred to uh, the ai which is having some generalized capabilities uh, those tasks will basically disappear and you know what it's already it's already happening uh, this is uh, this is changing uh, there are lots of tasks now writing summaries of reports even actually that example i gave you of scheduling your task it's all, already there are now programs which are doing this so they they are doing what a project manager would do look at the complications of task look at how much time is required and these ai are doing these things so they will put competitive pressure on businesses to look around and see what more can be done interesting uh, professor our audience includes a lot of business school students who are going to work with organizations that deploy ai in every aspect of their value chain we often hear that a lot of firms that deploy ai fail in their ai strategy the ai that they deploy fails to deliver the roi and there are f- more failure stories about ai than the success stories what is that the firms get wrong which leads to the failure and how could organizations successfully adopt ai and craft their ai strategy well <laughs> the tough question also well you know as i keep teaching in my classes uh, software projects mostly fail i think we all know that <laughs> initially they fail uh, when you are going into uh, into these very difficult domains ai is tough to understand and to integrate uh why why they fail why do they fail well uh, wh- one part i'll say clearly with ai the expectations are hyped up one expects too much so like just now we were discussing uh, in a narrow intelligence versus general intelligence so you think that an ai will come with you know, general capabilities you don't uh, don't visualize that they come with actually very narrow capabilities very narrow you they can do a few things um so those <laughs> that the first shock is the expectations if you get your expectations right then maybe you will uh, have have success or the narrow success that you are uh, uh, you are uh, you know you want the other one i've seen which uh, you know companies which are fairly focused and know what they're doing the other one actually the the deal deal breaker in this is data so people set up uh, you know they set up these uh, big algorithms they contract some vendors who have very nice software who will turn it for you uh, but uh, you run into the data bottleneck you just don't have enough data to do these complex tasks so hospitals which have to you know they, if they want to do some uh, screening uh, or some di- you know diagnosis ai they may just not have enough images for uh, for creating these diagnosis software and uh, factories which need to train ai for doing certain tasks etc may just not have data so their initial cut may fail but as they understand the problem that they need uh, you know large volumes of data they may actually set up their digital infrastructure to capture it and then leverage that over a period of time the other one that i read about is integrating with workflows this this sounds like a doable one but it actually becomes quite hard uh, and over time uh, uh, you know we read cases about robotic process automation and things like that uh, it turns out that you can automate maybe you know 80% of your tasks those 20% still remains then it becomes a management challenge to declare it a success or a failure if you wanted to automate certain tasks completely you actually don't want to have people there but if you have to keep a few people around then you know what was the what was the point of spending so much time and money building that automation so the, these are some of the the issues that crop up here uh, i would say keep the expectations level if if uh, you know as students you you said you know many people are hearing this if you understand that the technology is not some magic bullet you know it will just not show up and solve all problems that it can do a few things like most software can do a few things and it takes a while to actually implement uh, this carefully have it running the stay in your organization 
and give you that competitive advantage why you were building it in the first place that is not an easy task that requires fair bit of thinking and what we call management you have to manage it it won't just happen so building on the previous question professor organizations have senior managers who have years of experience and they understand the businesses in and out firstly how does ai offer insights and value for them secondly they would have inertia to change as compared to a newer center, newer set of managers that enter the workforce how can organizations navigate that inertia to have wider adoption of ai oh also tough question <laughs> well i will say this uh, and this is happening uh, uh, senior management who you are correctly pointing out many of them are actually are not aware of this and they are the ones who have to take the take the biggest decisions related to this uh, what i am seeing at least in i am bangalore uh, i am seeing lot of senior managers are taking it upon themselves to get informed that's what they have to do Uh, i recently uh, concluded a whole series of classes for executives there were some very very senior people there whose uh, attempt and correctly so was to understand what is it that this technology is first and what it can do for me what do i have to do to leverage it so th- these are the uh, these are the the game changers but again this is a very very small set this is i uh, you know the larger awareness has to spread in the industry across all industries actually uh, people have to realize that this is a very powerful competitive force uh, if you just look at what's going on in fintech and i keep joking about this in class but very seriously fintech is very severely threatening the entire you know uh, <laughs> employments of a lot of people across the hierarchy from very senior managers to to uh, junior level executives there's a lot of work that can be automated so mainly because fintech is already such a massive digital business anyway there's so much data out there there's so much technology that's been used so people have to understand this and uh, appreciate that okay this stuff is coming it's not nothing to be scared of but how do i harness it for my own benefit that is the uh, the the key idea uh, that uh, that senior management have to understand now th- there is inertia uh, and you you asked about inertia uh, inertia is always there for in any technology it takes a while for it to sink in uh, there is a lot of hype around ai also and as you know as you mentioned in the previous question and i agree there is lot of failures also it, it's not that it's just going to show up and you know solve all problems so awareness building is required uh, inertia will not go away right away uh, inertia in a way is a good thing people have to be sure of what they are doing uh, inertia could be a bad thing if you get wiped out by the competition uh, there, there it, it could be bad uh, so my advice generally is you figure out where uh, your organization is first you need that digital transformation you, you need to have a digital organization in place so as i said fintech is is fairly digital in, in that sense but other places where they don't have that extent of digitization uh, that's they will where where they will have to move first now once that is in place you have your basic data you know in in place uh, then you need to you know train your staff and get your hardware etc in place so that you can begin you can start using this uh, data in a meaningful way and build upon it for a strategic reason not just that look something looks cool so the inertia part will take a while to go away but uh, you know the the precursor to that is actually digitization yes sir i do agree that digitization is an important step in the world today Uh, jumping on to the third part of our podcast which is about ethical concerns of ai we have seen deep fakes fake news and a lot of other issues plaguing the discourse and narrative currently and it is repealing the fabric of our society recently open ai launched gpt3 which could produce human like text and could potentially be used for such use cases what are the ethical concerns surrounding ai paradigm and how could they be contained 
Yeah, this is the toughest part. <clears throat> and a, a good question and a very tough question to answer. So there are many ethical concerns with AI. Uh, the, there are uh, the deep fakes is is a very very interesting one, and uh, uh, th- frankly, this will happen. Uh, as you know, any technology is used both ways. One is for benefit, and people use it for weapons. People use it for doing nasty things. So th- th- that is going to happen. I don't see how we can look the other way. Uh, so now there are of course counters to this also that. Uh, I think this whole deep fake and fake news issue will get resolved through something like a blockchain. I'm not saying blockchain will solve it, but authentication technologies like blockchain will come into the picture and that, that's how we will begin to believe some of it. Like you show the image of, of somebody sitting in a restaurant and eating and that's a complete fake image. That person never went to the restaurant. I, I guess you know this. This is with reference to a... Uh, to a person, a very famous person. So uh, a complete fake image was produced. Now, what we will do is subsequently start asking, okay, if this image was taken on a phone camera or, uh, you know, a real camera, uh, where is the blockchain uh, stamp of it? In which block can we find the stamp and can we authenticate the hash code? That's that's one way it this problem uh, will get resolved. Now, I'm not again. I'm not saying it will be blockchain, but some variant of this authentication issue. So that's for images, and that will go for videos and sounds, etc. What was the authentic? Uh, what was the original source image? Now, text is a different story. Is uh, this text? Uh, so uh, you know, like this uh, GPT and all are producing text, uh, which is very lifelike. Uh, there are now paintings being produced. Uh, I've seen some of them like a Rembrandt fake that has been produced. It's actually brilliantly Rembrandt. If, if Rembrandt had painted it, he would have done exactly what the AI algorithm did. There are these uh, Bach mu- music chorales, which if Bach had created that music, it would have sounded just like that. And uh, there, there are many more. In fact, uh, there are also stories of AI uh, developers who gave up their work because they were morally hassled by the fakes that they were creating. Uh, they said, this is this is wrong. I don't want to do this. So th- these problems uh, will stay. They won't go away. There are, of course, other ethical issues. Uh, there are these what we call the trolley problems, which are outcome-based ethical problems. Uh, AI uh, AI algorithms will now start taking decisions on behalf of humans, uh, you know, decisions about uh, medicine, decisions about hiring, decisions about promotion, uh, and uh, who will bear the consequences of the wrong decision. And trolley problems force you to think along these lines, because in the trolley problem, if you know the problem, is basically, uh, you know, you're controlling a runaway trolley, and if you uh, do something, it will kill so, so many people. If you don't do anything, it will kill so many other people. So both the outcomes are actually very bad, They're terrible outcomes. But you may be forced to either take action or not action. And this will happen with uh, AI systems also uh, in these auto driving cars and things. So uh, the, the, resu- the problems which were hard for humans will remain equally hard for AI and they will become ethical problems. And as students always ask in class, uh, so who's going to take the responsibility? And the answers are not clear. So this is where uh, um, regulation governments will have to step in and come up with some some measure by which these are resolved. Uh, the easy answer of, of saying that, no, 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 there won't be any auto driving cars. Now that, that won't work. Uh, Auto-driving cars do have certain conveniences. Uh, they actually may reduce the number of accidents on roads. Uh, then uh, ro- surgery robots may actually do better surgery than, uh, you know, in 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 you know, in percentage terms, they may have less surgical accidents than say human surgeons over time. Uh, so everybody is not an expert surgeon. Uh, all surgeons are not that good. So if uh, you leave a few expert surgeons around and the rest is done by robots, that may eventually be better for society. 
Uh, but there are ethical uh, concerns there. If the you know robot surgeon makes a mistake, uh, who is to blame, and how are you going to take that? So th- there are there is this side of this story which is also uh, which is also problematic. Uh, don't forget that some of the biggest ethical concerns that come with AI actually have to do with weapons. Uh, there are now weapons available already which can do very, very serious damage. So you can send out drones, an army of drones to fight a war, and they will be meticulous in massacring the opposition if it's just humans on the other side. They just, you know, just wipe them out. This is far too scary a scenario. So a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, AI researchers have got together and, uh, you know, written petitions uh, to various uh, you know, international bodies and to heads of government saying, uh, please don't, uh, please don't invest in weapons grade AI. Uh, but of course, uh, this is just a petition. Uh, it has not happened. And there are countries which are building these weapons at a pretty fast scale. So that is a much more scary scenario. Uh, so, so these are, these are the, the issues with, with AI. The building on the ethical concerns is also a concern over privacy. It is not uncommon to spot news articles about smart speakers listening to conversations and an AI system analyzing data of users to smartphone cameras possibly spying on their users. How serious are the privacy concerns with respect to the usage of AI and how could that be regulated and governed? Yes, these are serious concerns and uh, uh, actually regulation (coughs) in this scenario uh, is is reasonably okay around the world if you see uh, the European GDPR laws laws are pretty good on privacy and in India we probably adopt something similar to those when the you know privacy and data protection bill which has been in Parliament for over a year now uh, once it goes through uh, uh, we we will have that uh, but the, the, in privacy terms uh, I think we we can restrain it. Of course, since the technology keeps evolving and changing, we will have to be very careful about how these uh, privacy laws get enacted. Um, so you you asked about these uh, <laughs> these uh, you know uh, these uh, smart speakers, these Alexa type uh, speakers, you know listening in, and that is correct. They are listening in. Uh, the the whole point of giving out these speakers is to collect this data and to uh, you know train uh, algorithms on them and uh, uh, as long as things like anonymization pseudonymization is is practiced uh, i also firmly believe that there should be uh, data sunset laws there should be laws that say that after a certain point of time this data has to be eliminated it has to just be deleted it shouldn't stay forever um, so these these laws will kick in i think privacy concerns as long as this, the governments and citizens are concerned about privacy, uh, they will come in and this, the solution can be found. Uh, even some countries like, you know, where privacy is not exactly uh, a very strong issue, uh, privacy violations are rampant. There is huge surveillance going on and that is not a very happy situation. So I will argue these are a lot of, a lot of these issues are driven by your uh, your the politics of the nation and the political economy in which you operate and the ideology that people subscribe to uh, so th- that will drive us in india we we were actually never concerned about privacy and, and that's part of the reason why privacy actually has never been a very high priority issue until very recently uh, India, if you know, we passed the Transparency Act uh, 10 years before we thought of the privacy privacy issues. Uh, so uh, over time, we will be able to solve this, uh, but it will it will uh, it will take a while. So these uh, amongst the you know the <laughs> the concerns, ethical concerns, privacy for me is something we can tackle. It won't go away, but we can tackle it. I'm more worried about the other stuff, the the trolley problems and the weapons grade AI. Those, for me, those are worse ethical problems that need to be addressed a little bit earlier. That is true, Professor. There are almost all sectors that deploy some form of AI today, whether retail, travel, logistics, education, healthcare, manufacturing, and others. 
which sector is the most nascent when it comes to ai adoption and which sector dominates the use of ai ah uh, good question see <clears throat> i was uh, thinking about this uh, uh, issue uh, recently also i think ai as you know the platforms have taken up ai in a big way all these uh, you know your 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 facebooks googles and so on they have, because they have been very data rich and they have actually driven a lot of the uh the uh, developments in ai uh the other place it has gone uh, very big is uh, manufacturing and fintech so again both both these uh, sectors have have had a fair bit of digitalization uh, uh, you know over the last couple of decades uh, they they have implemented these uh, you know iot devices and things in factories and nowadays you call it the fourth industrial revolution where you have embedded sensors across across machines and factories and uh, then there is fintech fintech of course lives on technology so they, that's where ai has gone now where it has not gone is interesting it is uh, not gone uh, to that extent it is it is actually happening right now is medicine medicine is where uh, there's not you know to that extent or not of manufacturing so not all hospitals are completely automated and things uh, you know surgeries those cases of robot surgeons are exceptional they're not that many so medicine but the activity in medicine is huge is massive uh, for instance even uh, apollo hospital in india has been implementing ai uh, algorithms for you know basically uh, medical diagnosis and detection uh, extensively so uh, medicine is one area the other area which i see a lot of activity but not too much in the sense of uh, you know very successful cases is education so there are uh, uh, there are possibilities of uh, educate you know of things happening in education but not too much as far as i, I could i can tell so medicine is where it it will go it will grow there is a fair bit of activity in these smart cities where people are talking about you know having sensors across cities and using ai to monitor activities and you know manage energy and uh, water and so on so there i expect it will catch up it's still early stages at least in india uh, it will catch up professor briefly if you would touch about the future of work and loss of jobs for humans when it comes to ai because if that is to going to be a reality what would be the alternative strategy to employ these people who get unemployed because of ai okay so th th there are <coughs> there is a distinct possibility of uh, loss of uh, loss of jobs uh, i'll stick to the indian case indian scenario uh, we are a labor intensive economy and any technology which actually eliminates labor is a problem for us so there will be a loss of jobs uh, in uh, manufacturing for instance uh, the tragedy is if there is a loss of jobs in agriculture that uh, is going to be pretty bad uh, but i think uh, the indian governments will not permit that to happen uh, there is some amount of this uh, you know robotics technology not much but there is some amount of ai uh that is coming in in agriculture but that's more or less to assist uh, farmers not replace them so uh overall there's a lot of thinking around this and there some people have put out solutions you must have heard of elon musk's proposal it's not exactly his proposal but he supports it is this uh, you know this basic income uh so uh, a basic uh, minimum basic income is given to everybody who's uh, in the population of a country who is uh, it's a survival income and it's enough to keep you going this is there in you know this social security is there in many countries already and uh, so if there is a loss of jobs you you have enough to survive and consume uh because the economy thrives on consumption uh, if you take away uh, you know people's ability to have an income to consume the econ economy will collapse so you don't won't even need robots to build things anymore so th that's that's one side of the story the other side of the story is there are hazardous jobs there are places where even in india we have a situation where people have to go inside drains or inside mines and you know dig it's very dangerous and uh, those kinds of things may get eliminated which i think is positive 
So you could have uh, AI based or robotics based, uh, you know, uh, devices which can do this job without having, um, you know, people do it. But if you come back to uh, the, you know, uh, your maid losing her job because <laughs> you bought a, a cleaning robot and a dishwasher, that's not too good. That that uh, will affect us. Uh, uh, construction industry actually it's not much, but there is now a fair bit of evidence. There are now prototypes being built of uh, robots which do construction, and they are very good at it. Now that bothers me a little bit. Uh, construction is a you know a very big employer of people, and that will hurt. Now if you move up the scale to middle management. There will be loss of jobs. There will be middle management, uh, you know, mundane things like doing reports or scheduling and planning. All those may actually uh, disappear. So uh, managers who need to make judgments or decisions uh, and who need to sit there and take a call, they will, of course, be around. They will they will be needed. That human judgment uh, is is needed and. Uh, there's, there's, you know, a fair bit of literature which comes back and says, yeah, even though we have biases in our judgments and, you know, we're not always correct, uh, human judgment is something that spans across domains, so which is still been a very cha- big challenge for AI. That will remain. So it's a mixed story. Uh, how it will evolve, we will have to see. Thanks a lot, Professor. I do remember the phrase that you used in the class that managers who use AI will replace the managers who won't. Uh, those were some thought-provoking words on such a vast topic. We touched upon a range of issues and I'm sure that our audience is going to enjoy this episode of the IMB podcast. Thanks a lot, Professor. Thank you. Thank you. So that's it from the IMB podcast today. We hope you enjoyed listening to it. Do send in your comments, feedback and suggestions and we will be happy to read them. Have a great day.